six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take it to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a public affair. It's Wednesday, so that means you've got me. I'm Carousel Baird. And I want to remind you, you are listening to Volunteer Powered, listener-sponsored community radio, WORT 89.9 FM Madison. And we have a fabulous show lined up for you today. I want to remind you um, that there might be some spoilers in today's show because we are going to be talking about Barbie. Yes, I mean, this is about... As like girly as I get, the fact that we're going to be talking positively about Barbie, that I've seen the Barbie movie twice now, uh, I can't believe it. You know, me, the big, big time feminist kind of personality that you all know and sometimes love, um, sometimes not. (laughs) Um, We're going to be talking about Barbie today. I'm really excited. Um, So just want to let you all know there may be some spoilers to the movie. If you haven't seen the movie, you might want to keep your hand near the dial. Um, But I'm excited to get our show on the road. We have three guests that are joining us today to sort of break down different aspects of the movie. And we're going to start kick off the movie with um, Kirsten Larson, not the movie, kick off our show with Kirsten Larson. She is the programming director at Milwaukee Film. Hello, Kirsten. Hi, Carousel. Thanks for having me. So great to have you. So sort of first things first, let's let's get a little facts out there. So um, the headline two days ago in the New York Times, which who the heck expects the New York Times to cover this at the level that it has? Barbie reaches one billion dollars at the box office. Now, that was the headline everywhere. But I just sort of thought it was interesting that that was also the headline in one of the top newspapers of the um, country. And no Warner Brothers movie in a hundred plus years history of Warner Brothers has sold so many tickets this fast. And there's only been one one billion dollar movie directed by a woman. um, And that is this movie directed by Greta Gerwig. So can you sort of talk? Can we start there with how big of a movie sensation is Barbie? It's been an incredible sensation, and I've had my eye on it for a long time, so I'm happy that it actually paid off, which has been especially exciting after the pandemic, where like the movie industry has been in sort of a delicate place. Yeah. But yeah, just having a movie that is so hugely successful, has a woman director, largely woman audience, and has just been thriving at the box office, has been amazing at our theater here in Milwaukee. We've had like multiple sold out screenings of like 200 people all watching the movie together, which is exactly the kind of community that we're trying to create. And then to have people coming back for repeat viewings, like you said, you've seen it multiple times and you didn't even think it would be a movie you would be interested in um, is just the kind of like, I don't know, film sensation that I remember when I was growing up and loved when I would go to the movies that hasn't been happening as much anymore. And so I'm just really thrilled that uh, this is going on these days and that it is for this movie too. Yeah. So the, you started with saying you have your, uh, have had your eye on this movie for a long time. This is thrilling for the statement of movies and community and, and the fun that movies can be when everybody gets together and it's crowded and you all laugh together and gasp together and small talk together and, you know, chat after the movie and you, and it, it's, it's fun to go to the movies. I mean, it may, it makes me remember like going to the star Wars movies when I was a kid and it wasn't even the substance of the movies as much as like, it was exciting to be there and that's where you wanted to be. But Is it that plus the fact um, that this is such a female-based movie with female-centered characters, female-centered story that is so groundbreaking? Yeah, I think that is definitely an added component because I think this this whole summer, I think comparing uh, the Eras tour with Taylor Swift (laughs) and like the Barbie movie coming out, it's just like, Young girls, women are an audience that are desperate for entertainment and like are available to, I don't know, participate in 
fun things, spend money, come out and spend time together. And uh, I, we were chatting a bit before the show, but a lot of the sort of movie phenomenons lately have been like superhero movies, yeah. sort of like comic books, very boy oriented. And definitely women can appreciate that too. But having something that is just for us uh, is just the best. And like having everybody come out in all their has been so cute. I'll literally just be driving around town and can see people and be like, they're going to see Barbie. They're going to see Barbie. It's right. incredible. So talk to me now, your your take on the movie and how it sort of thread this needle. When I went to see it, the first time my friends were like, let's go to the Barbie movie. Okay, sure. I like hanging out with my friends. So I will go to the Barbie movie. And my both my friends wore pink and I was like, oh, we're supposed to wear pink. I didn't even know this. I'm not even sure I own pink. Like I just sort of tagged along and I left the movie being so impressed at how it it challenged you know, the patriarchy and challenged where women belong and sort of embraced Barbie in all these different ways that I I didn't expect. Yeah, I am completely on the same page. I hilariously had to borrow a pink shirt from my husband to wear to the show. <laughs> so I was not prepared in that regard. Um, but yeah, I when I first found out that the movie was coming out and it was being directed and written by Greta Gerwig, I was really excited because she's coming from an indie film background. So I'm like, maybe this doesn't uh, seem like the most obvious pairing on face value, but uh, I just think she's so talented. So I was like, I think she'll probably do something interesting with it. And uh, yeah, now that it has come out, I love how it really inspires discussions because I feel like a lot of times with media messages, it can be very one dimensional. And uh, if people are not familiar with like media literacy or analysis, they'll just take it at face value and not uh, think more critically about it. But just the way the movie manages to show so many perspectives, I guess, not really spoiler alert, but a little bit where it starts out in Barbie land where women are basically, it's like a matriarchy. They run things and all the Kens are just the underlings is sort of flipping the narrative of our normal society and having that and then have her go into the real world and see how uh, the patriarchy runs in real life is such a culture shock. And I feel like having both of those sides to things yeah. makes you realize like the tensions, makes you ask questions. Um, and then also later on in the movie, there's a lot of discussion about how there's no one right way to be a woman or a person in the world. Like you can do whatever you want and there will be tensions, but you just got to have a community with you and discuss it and uh, figure it all out. Lots of good mother daughter relationships in the movies. Mm -hmm. I did see it with my mom. So that was a great experience when I was at the theater. Um, but yeah, it, it manages to do all of that and be extremely hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's sort of break all those pieces down. So let's talk about sort of the 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 feminist take on it. I love, I mean, there's so many things to talk about. But one, I love how when you're watching Barbie Land, where it starts, and right, the women are in charge of everything, and it's a matriarchy, you as the viewer are going, oh, this is so cute and hilarious and so unrealistic. This would never happen. How fun this is. And yet when it flips, you have a moment where you go, wait a second, why did I think it was cute and hilarious and unrealistic to have the women in charge? But when it flips to real life and the men in charge, I don't go, oh, that's so cute and unrealistic. I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, the men are in charge. So it totally had this moment of I as a feminist and someone who's, you know, female empowered. But I think that I, I, can, I can't take seriously Barbie land, but of course I take seriously patriarchy. It was it had so many levels to it. Can we sort of talk about that aspect of the movie? Yeah, definitely. So I completely agree. I loved Barbie Land at the beginning. And I even am like, 
maybe this is fine. We don't even need the conclusion of the movie. Let's just keep it in <laughs> Women are in charge of everything. Oh, my God. All women on the Supreme Court. I went to the movies uh, with two of my friends, all three. We met when we were brand new lawyers. So the, all three of us are, you know, 50-something lawyers. And we're like, women in charge of the entire Supreme Court? Like, how do we get to Barbie land right now? <laughs> Exactly. And I want Issa Rae to be president. I think that would be wonderful. That would be lovely. Um, but yeah, I I guess sort of jumping way ahead, which this will be a major spoiler for everyone, so yes. cover your ears, is that I thought it was so funny when it got all the way to the end and everything is reconciled and the Barbies are like, we can still have our nice Barbie dream homes, but we can share them with the Kens. And the Kens will not be in charge of everything, but they'll still be our partners and we won't ignore them. The fact that they were like, well, you won't be completely equal. Right. <laughs> you'll just, you'll be like women in the real world, right. not like right. complete equals, which I thought was a hilarious touch, um, which mm. goes sort of to our point at the beginning of how regular Barbie land was so great. So I don't know. Maybe maybe the the boys who are upset about the movie are a little justified, but I think they can deal with it based on the patriarchy in real life. Well, but I think that's part of the humor is the boys that are just are angry about the movie or anybody that's angry about how the Kens are treated in the movie. I think the movie gets that and does that on purpose. Like the Kens aren't real. The Kens only live if Barbie acknowledges them right the best day of the best moment of ken's day is when barbie looks into his eyes and says hello and Car Bar uh, ken's whole existence is how do i get barbie to fall in love with me and so yes we're supposed to laugh at all of this and realize how objectifying and ridiculous it is and yet then flip it well wait a second this is life every day for women yeah. And I also think it's interesting because in Barbie land, you have such a like dichotomy between the Kens and the Barbies. But then you do have your fringe characters like Weird Barbie and Alan, both mm -hmm. of whom I love um, and how both of those are sort of outside of the Barbie Ken binary and have a good perspective on things. And Weird Barbie is helping uh, Margot Robbie Barbie figure out how to like navigate her world and fix the problems that she's having and Alan teams up with the Barbies to help them uh, take down the Kens or at least help the Kens figure out what their problems are because they're not very emotionally intelligent um, but yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of Alan and I think a lot of people yeah. have been so all, all the guys watching the movie can just Figure out how to be an Alan in the world. More Alan than Ken. Um, I love that. Can we talk about sort of the take on feminism and some of the lines, particularly in the movie? Um, before we get to the famous monologue, I love the statement by um, the the daughter in the real world where um, she sort of said she says this thing of women hate women and men hate women is the only thing we all agree on. Like, let's pick on women. And I felt that like one sort of statement so, so powerful of like, yep, we all can agree on that. And of course, then the famous monologue by Gloria, the mother, um, when she gets back to Barbie land, um, that starts with it's literally impossible to be a woman. And then it goes on and on about how you can't be too pretty. You can't be too ugly. You can't be too smart. You can't. not. I mean, I'm not doing it justice. But <laughs> how how powerful and important uh, were those monologues? At first, I thought it was a little heavy handed, her monologue. And maybe I still think that. But it really drove home a point. Yeah, I would agree that I think it was a bit heavy handed, but I think that heavy handedness was warranted because I have even seen on like TikTok and stuff so many young girls who watched that and were like, I've never thought of it this way. I this is really like, I don't know, made it easier to understand femininity in the world. And so even if I don't know, you're very educated on various phases of feminism and stuff like that. Um, just the fact that it is a wide release movie 
made and written by a woman about women for women that is being able to communicate this message, especially like in a movie about a corporate commodity child's toy, uh, (laughs) is able to sort of spread this more uh, slightly more complex message than we normally see has been really exciting to me. And like, I guess even from my perspective, there were components of the story that surprised me where like at the beginning when it's doing the hilarious uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey scene, like <laughs> yes. I didn't realize that when Barbie first existed, it was revolutionary because little girls just played with baby dolls in the, I don't know, expectation that they're going to become a mom. And that the fact that they would be playing with a Barbie doll that is an adult woman, uh, has a boyfriend, but isn't married, has a bunch of cool jobs and wears beautiful clothes and has her own dream house, that that was really revolutionary. And sure, like down the line, you get to a point where you're like, oh, she has a certain like body type and is very beautiful and all of this stuff that gets more complicated. But the fact that at the beginning, at its essence, was such a revolutionary thing for women um, was something that I didn't even know about. I really appreciate you bringing up the opening of the movie because, right, to remind us on some level by starting there, the movie reminds us how far we've gone Uh, how far we've come and of course still how far we have to go but right the opening scene of the movie they're all playing with babies and right the narrator says well baby dolls that's fun for a while if you think it's fun playing with with babies ask your mother what they think right Um, and then this sort of powerful uh, woman comes in how do you think that um Barbie lines up with sort of modernizing the fact that, right, it starts by telling us how far we've come. And yet, is it still, has it come far enough for us to be appreciating Barbie as much as we are in 2023? Um, I think I could really relate in the movie to the sort of teenage girl characters that you saw who were like, women hate women, men hate women. It's the only thing we have in common. Because when I was in middle school, high school, like, and this is in the 2000s, so also a very different time. Uh, it is, I like, I hated girly stuff. I was like, I want to play video games with my brother. I don't want to watch like Gilmore Girls or anything like that. Like I, that's for girls and girls are dumb. And I feel like going through college, coming into adulthood, I've really like figured out how to navigate sort of that internalized misogyny and really enjoy things that are very feminine. And I think this is a great example of uh, celebrating femininity and analyzing it and thinking about how it affects our daily lives. Um, But once again, just the fact of being able to watch a movie side by side with my friends and my family and like laugh at so many things that we relate to. And then also like, yeah, I definitely cried a little during the movie too, which is like, it's an emotional roller coaster. Uh, but it, it's been absolutely incredible. And like I, like I said, I don't think there's been a lot of analysis and like tearing things apart to sort of think of how femininity and misogyny and patriarchy uh, is affecting our daily lives. And so having intergenerational stories within the movie, I think was very effective with like a teenage girl, a mom, older lady. So it's been fantastic. Well, I want to remind everyone we're talking right now about the uh, Barbie movie. We're talking right now with a, Kirsten Larson, the programming director at the Milwaukee Film, at Milwaukee Film. Um, If you want to join the conversation, we would love to hear from you at area code 608-256-2001, extension 9. And um, we did have a caller, uh, Bob called, and I just wanted to pass on that he also saw the movie twice and was in tears for a lot of the movie and that he sees how it's empowering for women, but also thought it was transformational for men and the relationships that they have with women and that he's telling all his friends to take their part, his women friends to take their partners to see it. That's just awesome to hear, Bob. Um, 
uh, Kirsten, I want to ask you one more question before we have to let you go, which is the what we've touched on a bunch of times, sort of the the mother daughter relationship. Uh, you know, on one level, Barbie is right a strong single woman she doesn't want to get married she doesn't want to hang out with ken she doesn't want to date him she doesn't want to kiss him every night is girls night as she tells ken to break his breaking heart and yet the movie has this incredibly strong pro motherhood feel of the power of parenthood it's the mother-daughter bond that really breaks breaks into barbie land and changes everything and the amazing quote of we mothers stand still so our daughters can look back to see how far they've come. It's sort of like revolutionary of the role of a parent to, you know, set a child free. Can you talk about sort of that magic juxtaposition of being pro-woman, you don't have to have kids, and yet also incredibly pro and powerful mother-daughter? Yeah, I think uh, it was a useful tool to use narratively because it sort of balances both that the Barbie that you're focusing on in the movie, Margot Robbie, is the toy of Gloria and she passed it on to her daughter. And uh, so in that way, you are within this mother-daughter relationship. And sort of that's where the problems start arising because the daughter doesn't want to play with the Barbie anymore. And so Gloria, who works for Mattel, uh, starts like inventing her own Barbies, like cellulite Barbie and stuff like that for middle-aged women, which was hilarious. Um, But then I think it also was an interesting dynamic where you think about uh, the inventor of Barbie where she modeled it after her own daughter. And so it's sort of like uh, Ruth, the woman who made Barbie has created this toy to be her daughter. So in that respect, I think the mother daughter relationship was important to the narrative, but then also plays into the fact that that is not the only role that a woman has to play in society. And granted, we all have mothers, but Uh, If you don't want to be a mother, that is totally okay. Uh, Like, we have to give a shout out to Midge, the pregnant Barbie, who is a social pariah in Barbie land, but we love her. Uh, So, like, Margot Robbie Barbie doesn't want to be a mom, but it's great if you do. And I think people just having the choice and the opportunity to figure out what they want is really the point of the movie. I think that that's what's so refreshing. So many times it's a movie that, ooh, finally a perspective of a of a single woman that doesn't want to have kids. Ooh, finally a movie all about the mother-daughter bond. And never, I've never seen it in the same movie to have that level of breadth of both are successful, both are their way to be, both can lead to happiness and challenges. It was just refreshing and for me that's the greatest success of this movie that i have not seen done in any other movies well there's so much more to talk about but we're gonna have to leave it there uh kirsten larson programming director at milwaukee film thank you so much for joining us and and uh breaking down the joy that is the barbie movie with us My pleasure. Thank you. It's been great talking with Kirsten. And a reminder, everyone, if you want to join the conversation, we would love to hear from you at area code 608-256-2001, extension 9. And let's keep the conversation going. Next, we have Pat Huddleston. She is a professor of retailing at Michigan State University in the Department of Advertising and Public Relations. Hi, Pat. Hi, how are you, Carousel? I'm I'm so excited to be here. It's so great to have you. I'm great. I'm great. So this is this when I stop and go to the commercialism of this, I think, okay, all people that loved Barbie now loved this movie. All people that didn't love Barbie, me included, now love this movie. It is a win win. Nobody exited this movie thinking negative thoughts of Barbie. This is a brilliant, brilliant ploy, and I feel a little bit like a sucker. A sucker? Oh, that's well, an interesting okay. take on that. I, I, I guess I would frame it a little bit differently. Um, the marketing for this movie has been masterful. Um, I, I don't know if you realize this, but there were over 100 partnerships with the Barbie movie. Wow. Everything from progressive insurance 
uh, insuring the Barbie Dream House to Airbnb, <laughs> um, offering um, a contest for a a night at the Barbie Dream House, and the you know the usual fashion brands have partnerships, everything from Crocs to the Gap, and so the the marketing behind this movie has has been genius. How? How common is that for a movie to have so many relations that is typically not your not your typical action movie? The unusualness of the success of such a female based movie. Well, I, I've never seen a movie that has this many marketing tie ins. I mean, wow. of course, with, with the action movies, you know, you're, you're going to have your fast food tie ins. Of course, the the. Um, um, what do you call it? The the toy tie-ins, yeah, but yeah. the 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 gamut and the 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 breadth of the marketing partnerships for this movie is just um, unheard of. Um, I think it's it, it's a new standard. That's fascinating, and so much of it it feels like is targeted at women, not girls, but adults. Um, right. You think Barbie, that's a toy. Everyone buys it sometimes for their daughters or sons or nieces or nephews or grandchildren or cousins or your neighbor that had a kid. Right. You don't think of Barbie as something that anyone over you know, 12 is purchasing. But here you're talking about, you know, ensuring the Barbie dream house. That's super cute. And the idea of Barbie T-shirts and all these other things that are really targeted at adults well yeah i i would say that there's a two-tiered market because if you i i I saw the barbie movie on sunday and the the audience for the movie was a mix of adults and children Mm -hmm. and i i don't want to take away any of the wonderful take on the movie that kirsten offered but a lot of the movie was definitely targeted toward adults and a lot of the jokes and things that made people laugh would have gone over the heads of children i mean i would say anybody under the age of probably you know 12 or 13 but yet everybody has really liked this movie and so if you look at at the marketing of of the Barbie movie, there are products that target both adults and children. And so it's, it's kind of the best of all worlds because you can, um, you can extend the, I, I guess the life of the products and the, the attractiveness of the merchandise when you, when you have uh, several different target markets. Break it down for us of sort of, especially your comment about how this is sort of unprecedented, the the level of tie-ins. How, what happens in a usual movie like this? That It's not an action movie. It's not doing your sort of stereotypical, right, action figures and fast food. But what usually would be op- options available to market in, in a, a sort of women-based story? Well, I'm not an expert on movie marketing per se, but for for most movies that that have marketing tie-ins, um, I think the, the the tie-ins are going to be related to either uh, fast food, sometimes toys, you know, depending on on the movie. Sometimes um, wearing apparel, you know, particularly if it's an action movie, and the wearing apparel will be targeted more toward children than than adults. But I. Again, I can't think of a movie that has had so many different um, marketing partnerships with such a diverse balance of products. I mean, one other example that I haven't mentioned, um, but it ties in with the Barbie Dreamhouse. Did you know that HGTV had a four-part series on decorating the Barbie Dreamhouse, and they had four teams that... Um, that vied for for a prize. I haven't actually watched it, but for those of you that are crazy about Barbie, you may want to you may want to check that out. That's so. So again, it's just genius what what they were able to what the marketing people were able to accomplish. And do you know was there hesitancy when this movie came out? I've read a little bit about people weren't sure should we you know take a chance? How big of a movie is this going to be? Um, and 
all of this, of course, had to be planned out, you know, months, if not years, you know, uh, in, in advance to put all the marketing together and expect it to be a successful. They clearly didn't know it was going to be a $1 billion movie success when they launched it and made all these agreements. Um, what's sort of your take on that? Of, you know, that's, a, that's an excellent question. I'm not sure I know the answer to it. However, if you think about brands, a lot of brands are risk takers. And so in order to, um, I guess, take advantage of the upside, you, you have to take the risk that the movie is going to be a success. And if it's not, well, you know, the, the downside will be relatively short lived. But I, you know, based on the the audiences and the uh, the amount of media attention that this movie has received, I think that the 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 upside is definitely going to be longer lived than you know a lot of the movies that that are coming out this year. So I, I'm not privy to you know how anxious or reluctant people were to partner with Barbie, but. I would say that those brands that chose to are are pretty happy now. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, and the how much do marketing campaigns like this cost? I, I read something that's estimated it was over a hundred and fifty million dollars spent on the marketing campaign for this movie. Is that normal yeah, that, to have a budget so be, high? Well, I don't know if that's normal, but that would be in, in a ballpark of you know a marketing campaign okay. and. Again, if you look at the return on the investment, you know, the, the movie has has earned over a billion dollars so far. Um, but to, to put it in context, um, annual sales of, of bar, the Barbie brand um, in 2022 was one and a half billion dollars. So in, you know, a couple of weekends, the movie has garnered um almost as much as one year of sales of, of Barbie. So right. that, that's how successful it's been. That's the, that's astonishing. And do, have we seen any numbers of the impact this has on the doll itself? That's what's so interesting. This isn't, all of this is tied around Barbie and I, and Barbie is a doll. And I, I liked the movie so much that I could see myself, you know, I could see my kids buying me a Barbie t-shirt. Uh, for the holidays or something like that. But I wonder, is any of this long lasting where we could see numbers going up with people actually buying the dolls or perhaps buying the dolls for family members that they might not have otherwise done? You know, I think we could see that. And um, in, in retail, usually they don't release sales figures till the end of the month. And so I haven't seen any any figures yet as to the impact the movie has had on sales, but uh, sales of the doll that is. And I don't know about the related merchandise, but I'm sure that that those figures will be coming out um, probably in the next couple of weeks or so. And I, I would I would venture guess to say that it would have a positive impact on the sales of the doll, and it's you know, it has the opportunity for the related brands to to increase sales, particularly for the fashion brands. Mm. Um, because, you know, as I as I think about this and, you know, I teach a I teach a branding class here at Michigan State, I, I would go into class saying Barbie is a thing right now. Um, the just the amount of international attention and national attention it's it's received is uh, nothing short of amazing. Um, I was in in France a couple of weeks ago, and there were signs for the Barbie movies all over um, uh, the metro, and there were billboards. And so it's not it's not just a U.S. phenomenon. Uh, I think in I think Barbie's going to be a hit in in many 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 countries. And do we sort of see a bigger picture in? The success when something is marketed so well, do you see things that aren't even affiliated with it trying to sort of pick up on it? Like, I wonder if the next round of fashion or things that we buy, we're going to see more pink or we're going to see more something that you might not have seen in the year 2023 or 2024, but for the fact that Barbie has sort of made a comeback. 
Well, if you, if you look at fashion, I would say that probably the pink, the pink trend may, may last till the end of the year and then fashion will move on to something else. But, um, you know, again, the, the, the number of brands that weren't necessarily related to the toy industry that have been able to affiliate with the Barbie brand in a way that's logical. So earlier I mentioned the progressive insurance. Yeah. In, in the ad and you know of course they use pink and and that that's a good fit that's a good alignment with the brand because of the barbie dream house tie-in so i think that though those brands that have um forged an alliance with the barbie movie that can can somehow logically connect to the brand i think that they will definitely benefit from from that alignment I wanted to sort of get your thoughts on the the efforts of the movie to, to it's a movie that at some level pokes fun at Mattel and yet in the end right Barbie and Mattel are, are, are the are the big winners right at, at the success of the movie what have we seen marketing and you know campaigns like that where it's sort of a level of self-depreciating there's a scene where they're all in the Mattel boardroom and Barbie's like well where are the people in charge and all the men say we're in charge and she's like well where where's your CEO and it's like man man everyone keeps responding to her and it's all the men and she's like well where are the women in charge and it's sort of this funny poke at Mattel of you're being you know, held out as this all male board, you know, delivering products to women. You know, it, it's interesting. I can't think of another movie that's done this, but as as I was watching the movie, I was struck by how Mattel was able or allowed the the movie to poke fun at it. And that scene where it was all, you know, the all male board of directors. And right. I thought, you know, I wonder today, how many of that board of directors are actually men so how close to it to reality and and so i think i think mattel was wise to allow it to be made fun of in in a, in a good-natured way i think that 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 says a lot um for their input and also for the uh, authenticity of the brand and what's what would be interesting and i didn't research this was to see how many women are on the Mattel board um, because, right, it is funny. And yet you take a step back and you go, so no, actually, for real, are you all men? Like, I wonder if this will have Mattel and other companies, you know, making sure, okay, you can poke fun as long as it's not too close to reality. Well, we, we could go to their annual report and answer that question pretty quickly right. about how many how many women are on the board of directors. But I mean, I think in, in, in the big picture, hopefully it will have a positive impact on female leadership in large, large companies like yes. Mattel. And, you know, the, the origin story of Barbie, she was created by a woman named Ruth Handler, who was one of the founders of Mattel. And so Barbie is a brand that was created by a woman to show young girls career opportunities and there, that there are other things out there besides motherhood. You know, motherhood is a fine thing, but as, as your uh, first guest, Kirsten said, not everybody wants to be a mother. And so mm -hmm. there, there, there should be other options. Well, it's been fabulous talking with you. Thank you so much. Just really help us sort of continue the conversation of the phenomenal that is Barbie. I didn't realize that it, the groundbreaking tie-ins, um, it's, it's just sort of amazing to see that people could anticipate the, the sort of shock level and power of the Barbie movie before it even launched. It's really impressive. Thanks so much, Carousel. It's been a lot of fun. It's been great talking with you. Pat Huddleston, Professor of Retailing at Michigan State University, Department of Advertising and Public Relations. 
And I want to remind everyone, you are still listening to A Public Affair on WORT 89.9 FM Madison. We are talking about the Barbie movie today. We have one more guest joining us, but I want to say the phone number one more time. If you want to join the conversation, we would love to hear from you. Area code 608-256-2001, extension 9. We have Mary Jo out there staffing the phones. We have Jade and Jay in the studio ready to take your call. Calls and you can pass a message on to me or you can join us on the air at area code 608-256-2001, extension 9. Now we have uh, one more guest, last but definitely not least, uh, joining us today. We have Kristen Schustak. She is the Regional Assistant Vice President at the Renfrew Center. Hello, Kristen. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Carousel. I appreciate you having me. No, Kristen, um, remind us what you do at the Renfrew Center. I would be happy to. So the Renfrew Center has been around for 38 years, and we just celebrated treating our 100,000th patient uh, in overcoming eating disorders specifically. That's pretty phenomenal, the work that you, you, I mean, the 100,000th patient. Thank you for your work. Um, and you've been around since 1985, the core focus of empowering patients to change their lives. Um, and you were the nation's first eating disorder facility. That That's, that's amazing. And glad. Thank you. Thank you for the work that you are part of. So I wanted to, to bring that in a little bit. It feels like one of the things that Barbie didn't quite tackle and... I still love the movie as we've been all, you know, fangirling it for the last, you know, <laughs> 30, 30 plus minutes. Um, but it, nothing is flawless and nothing is perfect. And I am one of the people that went into the Barbie movie, not a huge fan of Barbie because of her uh, proportions that are just sort of impossible. If she was in real, if she was real life, she would be anorexic and have an eating disorder and, the mm-hmm. concerns of how this portrays to women. What What is the role? So before this movie, what would be your take on Barbie and, and the role that sort of Barbie has played as one of the many factors impacting uh, women and girls facing eating disorders? I love this question. Thank you for asking that. So looking historically at Barbie and the time in which the doll was introduced, uh, she proceeded a lot of Hollywood starlets and silver screen legends like uh, Marilyn Monroe. Um, there was just an, an ideal body shape, body type yeah. at that time, <clears throat> excuse me, and different societal expectations on women. So this doll that was marketed for children and children who learned through play they were seeing this career person, and as your previous guest mentioned, or I'm sorry, as you mentioned about your previous guest, um, it opened the door that you could be more than a mother if you were a child. However, it still kind of reinforced that you can be more, but only if you're beautiful, only if you're thin, only if you are white, only if you're blonde, blue-eyed. So it was an underlying subconscious message of you can be anything, but only if you look this way. Right, right. Well, and I, I mean, I think it's it's so interesting because all of everyone has stories in, of their childhood and everyone can be othered and, you know, be it your gender or your race or your your body image or, or so many other things, your family type, uh, where you grew up, so many factors. Um, but it feels like the movie tackles so many of these issues. But how, what is your take on how the movie then addresses the body type issues? I feel that the way the movie approached these body image and, and unattainable goals is starting the conversation, mm-hmm. starting to reappraise what Barbie was. And now let's talk about what Barbie can be and will become. I noticed in the movie, every single character was named Barbie and Margot Robbie in particular was the quote, stereotypical, perfect Barbie. So it was a direct, um, drawing direct attention to of the fact that, yes, there was the stereotypical perfect, but now look, we have a president Barbie. We have a uh, journalist, journalistic Barbie. We even have um, a mermaid Barbie. So even from a fantasy realm, but 
kind of really putting that that belief out there of you can be Barbie, but Barbie can be many things in how she looks, what she is. And throughout the entire movie, all of the depictions of Barbie, all of the characters that were Barbie had a very um, a very genuine approach to who they were. They weren't mean. They weren't shallow. They they just represented determination, a, a individual doll, whatever the case may be, that goes after her goals and really believes in herself and had nothing to do with how she looked or what her, how her clothes looked or how her hair was. It was more of a genuine, this is who I am as a person and this is who I am in my career or my life. And did you think it it had so much diversity and racial diversity, ethnic diversity, but it didn't feel like there was a lot of diversity in body size? I, I did notice that. That is a really good point. I did notice there was a, a handful of larger body characters that were that were depicted as a Barbie. Um, but most of them were still that same thin ideal body shape. I noticed that primarily in the, the dance scene. They mm-hmm. all looked alike. Even the Kens all looked quite the same in their body shape, even though they did have maybe different ethnic features. So that's where I feel this is the start of the conversation. We've kind of brought this to the table. Now let's expand on what, we, what we've learned and what we still need to work on. I love that. I love that. Like we can still love the movie, still appreciate all that it has, but acknowledge that like, okay, you you got part of the way there, but there's still mm-hmm. so, still more to be done. What is your take on on the movie itself, on all the people seeing it? How do we make sure they get the message of there's still more to be done? Um, for empowerment regarding body size, but we appreciate the diversity in other aspects. I I believe it's it's a matter of, of keeping these conversations going, whether it be through media outlets like you are providing now, which is wonderful, or even just encouraging individuals, regardless of age, whether it was a 12-year-old that went to see the movie or a 72-year-old that went to see the movie, Let's keep talking about it, just like you and I are doing now. Let's talk about what we liked, what we noticed, maybe where we still have work to do. Because if we're silent about it, these things will go under wraps again and nothing will change. But if we are empowering people to have a voice, have an opinion, and and effectively communicate with one another, the more that we talk about it, bring it to the forefront, the more we're going to increase awareness, and with awareness often comes change. Well, and I do love that the movie does poke some some fun at it. I mean, the fact mm-hmm. that Barbie doesn't eat, right? You can mm-hmm. you can't eat and look like this, and then right in the real world, Barbie winds up having to eat. But th- they poke this good fun at it of Barbie makes breakfast, and then she just sort of looks at it and pretends to eat it, but acknowledges that she can't eat it because Barbie doesn't eat because this is not a body based in the real world. Yes, it was it was a in my opinion a perfect perfect point of the subtlety yeah. of look this is truly unrealistic. Therefore looking like her is truly unrealistic. And I just thought that I felt they they did that in such a subtle but a direct way. Yeah. that it, it really landed with audience. I feel it was one of the takeaways. Maybe you didn't notice it in the moment, mm-hmm. but as you kept thinking about the movie it's like, "Oh wait, yeah, that did make sense there." Well, and another, I th- I thought there was that, and the other small takeaway was how the mom created cellulite Barbie, and she didn't create it, even though she was sort of sad and missing her daughter. She didn't create cellulite Barbie to get revenge on Barbie. She was like, "Yeah, cellulite Barbie, wasn't that great? Like, hooray, cellulite!" Barbie. And even the mo- Barbie didn't appreciate cellulite Barbie. The mom in the real world was like, hey, it's about time. Welcome. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but there was she wasn't apologizing for creating cellulite Barbie. Right. It was it, it was just a celebration of, of bodies change. Bodies will continue to evolve. And it's just a part of being human. And I, I loved the way that she didn't make cellulite, Bar- cellulite Barbie something to be shameful it was just a natural progression of aging and, and humans changing. I wonder if we'll see a cellular Barbie. I would I would buy 
I would buy a cellular I'm, Barbie. Just saying that right now, <laughs> I would totally buy that doll. That'd be great. I'm wondering the same. I mean, they're going to manufacture Weird Barbie from what I read this oh my morning. God. So maybe Cellulite Barbie is right behind that one. I would love Weird Barbie because, I mean, <laughs> right. And again, the mom in the movie, right, isn't there that moment where she's like, I am dark and weird. It's like the mom is more like Weird Barbie than Barbie. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's pretty, pretty great. Um, Well, in our final minutes here, Kristen, what do you want people then to take away from the movie? What are things that they can... Um, talk about with I saw this movie with my 14 year old daughter what are things we should be talking about and thinking about so that we continue the conversation and we focus on the success and acknowledge there's still place ways to go to make sure that we embrace all of our bodies that is a great question thank you for asking that I think one of the most important things we can do is continue the conversation about what Barbie represents as far as being that determined career woman, great friend, uh, everything that she is aside from how she looks because our bodies are the least interesting thing about us as individuals and there's so many more areas that we can focus on as we get to learn each, uh, about each other and understand each other. I also feel that it's important to keep that conversation about uh, how how this is landing, especially with younger generations, as far as how does this feel for you as far as um, societal pressures to look a certain way mm-hmm. and expectations that are put on you. Because the more we ask those questions, the more we cre- we are creating that sense of comfort that if an adolescent or even, even an adult friend is struggling with something like this and maybe either hiding an eating disorder or on the verge of developing an eating disorder opening the conversation, making it okay to talk about can really make a difference in getting that person help when they need it, as opposed to down the line that maybe it was too late or maybe it's going to be that much more of an uphill battle for them at that point because we weren't able to to tackle the, the issue earlier on. I think that, that is a perfect way to end um, our show and our conversation about Barbie to write a lot to celebrate, but a lot to remind us of, you know, opportunities out there to, to make sure that, you know, we're taking care of ourselves and each other. So this has been fabulous. I really appreciate you joining us for this conversation, Kristen. Thank you so much for including me. It's been great talking with you. That was Kristen Schustak, Regional Assistant Vice President at the Renfrew Center. And I just want to thank all three of our guests today. We just talked with Kristen Schustak. First, we at the beginning of the hour, we had Kirsten Larson from Milwaukee Film and then Pat Heddleston from Michigan State University. It's been wonderful talking with everyone about Barbie. Go see the movie, I will say, my uh endorsement of it if you haven't seen it yet a huge thanks to mary joe for staffing the phones for uh jade for producing jay for engineering Shali, our news director thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you again next week i will not climb into your telephone tree and hell no you cannot put me on hold it's the same recorded message you've been saying